Well, uh, there's another football match on tonight. It's uh, the England versus Germany, of course, in the ladies' Euros. And, uh, well, I don't know who's going to win. I don't know who you want to win. But, uh, of course, last year it was the men's Euros, uh, a year late because of COVID. And hopefully something will appear up on the screen at some point. Yeah, there we are. And uh, England did well. They got to the final, but, of course, were beaten by, was it Italy? But in 2016 in the Euros, they did very badly, even Northern Ireland did better. And in the quarterfinals, were beaten by Minnows, Iceland. And it really was a case almost of David defeating Goliath. Um, how could great England be defeated by little old Iceland? And yet they were. And we turn to that story in 1 Samuel 17 to consider it this morning and the parallels between David on the one hand and Jesus on the other. Um, uh, Jesus is often referred to as the son of David and great David's greater son. Both Matthew and Luke point to his birth in Bethlehem, his descent from the line of David. And uh, this morning I hope to look at David in three categories, David as a uh, a soldier, and the parallels with Jesus, David as a shepherd, and again, the parallels obviously with Jesus, and then lastly, David as a, a spouse. First of all, let's consider David the soldier. This incident with Goliath is perhaps one of the best-known Bible stories. It's even well-known in the secular world. It's often applied to various situations, like Iceland's defeat of England, when a small, puny, weak person or group what becomes a far more powerful person or organization. It's often used to encourage us to face our giants. If even little David can defeat big, bad Goliath, well, sometimes perhaps we can defeat our opponents the problems, the situations that face us. Sometimes, not always, the Bible is very realistic. In Psalm 73, it's not a psalm of David's, but the psalmist there, he sees the world, he sees the wicked people, it seems to him they, they get away with things, things he wouldn't get away with. And God's people are oppressed. And uh, he nearly loses his faith. And for one day he comes into the sanctuary, the house of God. And he sees things as they really are from God's perspective. There's a day of reckoning for the wicked. They will be judged. But God's people will know blessing at his right hand eternally. So back to David and Goliath. Is it really a case of God helping the small person defeat the big and bad? It was a case of course, God who delivered him. You read there in verse, uh, verse 37, for example, the Lord, he delivered me from the lion and the bear. And in verse 47, he says, uh, he go, that when he's speaking to Goliath, he wants people to know there's a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. His willingness to fight Goliath was for God's glory. 
And because he believed God would give the victory, it was ultimately God's battle. Even when he was mocked by his brothers, even when he was questioned by Saul, he points to God. It's not me, it is God. But here's the real situation. What we have are two armies arranged against each other, one on this side of the valley and one on this side. The Philistines on one side, and of course, the Israelites on the other. And then, as this happens, Goliath steps forward. And he makes this offer. He says, I'll fight for my people if you will send someone to fight for your people. Now, if I win, here's the deal. You and your people will become our servants. But if your man fights and defeats me and kills me, then we will become your servants. What do you think? It's a case of representation. Representation. One man represents the Philistines, Goliath, and he's inviting someone else to come and step forward and represent the Israelites. And so David steps forward to fight Goliath. He is going to be Israel's representative. He's fighting on their behalf for them. His defeat of Goliath becomes their defeat of Goliath. His victory becomes their victory. Sometimes we sing a hymn. And one of the verses that says this, a second Adam to the fight and to the rescue came. Referring, of course, to Jesus. We could also change that sentence and say, a second David to the fight and to the rescue came. Jesus. Jesus has stepped forward as our champion. There's light soldiers looked at this Goliath. What, nine foot tall? Massive. Who on earth could defeat someone like this? It was impossible, it says. The reality is, when we look at sin, with Satan, we cannot defeat it or him. We are weak and helpless in comparison. We are sinners. We are fallen. And so Jesus has stepped forward. He has succeeded where we fail, where Adam fails in the garden and disobeyed and sinned. Jesus has succeeded. He failed Satan in the wilderness when he was tempted and then on the cross. Yes, he died, but he rose again. In Colossians chapter 2, Paul says that we Christians were forgiven and given life by his, that's Jesus, cancelling the record of debt. He goes on, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to shame, triumphing over him in Jesus. Jesus came as our representative. For we sin to disobey God, Jesus obeyed completely. Without fault. This is my beloved son, with him I am well pleased. David is a picture of that to some sense. When Jesse said to him, go to your brothers, take food, see who they are, he does. The next morning gets up, goes to the garden thing, and goes off. Jesus 
Your call to come to this world came, obeyed. He was even obedient to death. And died and rose again. So David defeated his enemy Goliath with a stone. And with the Philistines defeated them with swords. Jesus won the victory, of course, by his sacrifice at Calvary. How do we know he won? He rose on the third day. Death could not hold him. David the soldier, in the parallels in the picture of Jesus, who had come to defeat our enemy, sin and death, and win the victory for us. So when we come to Christ, his victory is our victory. That's David the soldier. Let's look at David the shepherd. When David is introduced to us in 1 Samuel 16, it says, the shepherd. Samuel's looking for the next king of Israel. Saul has been a failure. The first three sons come along. They look marvelous. They're, they're great stature. They're handsome. But God says, no, no. God's looking at the inner heart, not the outer appearance. If you any more sons, well, yes, David, he's out looking after the sheep. And uh, David was known for of course, writing many psalms, and one of the best known, if not the best known, is Psalm 23, the shepherd psalm. No doubt his experience as a shepherd, facing the wild animals, the dangers, looking after the sheep when they're in trouble, searching for sheep when they strayed, making sure they have pasture to graze on, and so on, led him to reflect upon God and the character of God as the shepherd. And of course, later David becomes the king of Israel. And uh, it's best king. All the others are compared to David. But he did not walk in the way of his father David, as it says of Samuel. Now, the kings or the leaders of Israel were known as the shepherds of Israel. And so when Jesus is introduced to us as being born in Bethlehem, we begin to make the links for which David born Bethlehem. That was his hometown. That's why when, uh, when we read the story of uh, Mary and Joseph, the census, they have to go to the hometown. They lived in Galilee, Nazareth. And Jesus had to get them to Bethlehem, where David came from. How? He organizes a census. He moves it in the Roman Caesar to have a census. And so they travel to Bethlehem. God's Working things out, making sure everything is according to plan. Never he's of the line of David, and we shouldn't be surprised he's also called, therefore, the Good Shepherd. John chapter 10. I am the Good Shepherd. Who among other things cares for the sheep? The sheep know my voice, I know theirs, I know them by name. I lay down my life for the sheep. There's no one else in the Bible called David. Nor is any other person like Jesus. David may have used his sling to protect his, the sheep from attacks or the wild animals. He may use his hook to pull them out of the ditches and so on. But of course, Jesus has that, or the good shepherd, laid down his life for the sheep. I've said this before. Do you know of any shepherd has laid down his life or laid down her life for sheep. 
hiding. Now, I've heard of people giving their lives for their dogs. Dogs got in their trouble, someone's going in and rescue it, maybe in the water. The dog has got out and they have drowned. I've heard of that. I have never heard of a shepherd dying for the sheep. Foolish sheep. Sinful sheep. Rebellious sheep. And that is our Jesus. And so he comes and obeys the Father, even to the point of going to Calvary in the Garden of Gethsemane. Knowing what lies ahead, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And so the joy set before me endured the cross. The joy of seeing sheep gullered into his fold. Seeing you come to faith in him and find forgiveness. In Acts chapter 13, Paul gives a short account of the Old Testament history. Oh, there's lights down in Egypt in slavery, of being delivered of the wilderness years, of entry into the promised land of the time of the judges, their first king Saul, a failure followed by David. In Acts 13, 22, he says, after removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And Paul continues, of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a savior, not a shepherd, Jesus, as he promised. David, known as the shepherd, but far surpassed by Jesus, the good shepherd, who laid down his life for the sheep. David the soldier, then Jesus, winning our victory on the cross. David the shepherd, but Jesus the greater shepherd. And then lastly, David the spouse. I don't know if you noted in our reading, but David asks a question. It's in chapter 17 there and verse 26. He's come down to his brothers. He's left the provisions off. He's asking what's going on. And then verse 26, and David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? What happens if someone should oppose Goliath and defeat him? Will, will he get any reward? And they told him, and of course we have it actually in the previous verses, uh, verse uh, 25, the men of Israel said, have you seen this man? And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. He'll get riches, he'll be free, but he will have a bride. He'll be offered a bride, the daughter of Saul. Isn't it the case that Jesus has come among other things seeking a bride. We sang about it in our last hymn. The bride given to him by his father, that bride being, of course, the church, believers. So Paul writes in Ephesians 5, say, husbands, husbands, love your wives. How? 
just as Christ loved the church. And how did he love the church? He gave himself for her to make her holy. Again, there's one of the other great hymns which goes, Here is love vast as the ocean, loving kindness as a flood, when the Prince of Life our ransom shed for us his precious blood. In the ancient days, if you wanted a bride, you had to give a dowry. You had to give something to the family. You were taking her away and what she could do for them, a dowry. And Christ gave his life for his bride. You might have a spouse. You know, David, as a spouse, was far from perfect. In fact, he had several wives as you read the story in the Old Testament. But of course, you know the story of David and Bathsheba. Their lust, which began and then led to lies and then led to murder. But amazingly, even there, David found forgiveness. But Jesus is that perfect bridegroom who will never betray us, who will never, we feel him all the time. We go astray. We are spiritually adulterous. But Jesus is faithful and will never cast his people off. We can trust him completely. He has so loved us and will continue to love us. And so Tim Keller says this, Jesus is a true and better David whose victory becomes his people's victory. They never lifted a stone to accomplish it themselves. And David, we see pictures of Jesus, but Jesus is so much superior. He has won the victory. He is our shepherd who will lead and guide us and provide for us. He is our spouse. And one of the pictures, again, of Revelation is that of the throne of God coming down as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. So we look forward to that great day when we will be completely Jesus. When we will be perfect and we'll see him as he truly is in all his beauty and power and majesty. Let's unite in prayer.